Hey there, it's John from The Open Door. Uh, Thanks for joining, listening in on our podcast. This week, it's a sermon from this past Sunday on Exodus chapter 16. So here we go. Exodus 16, 2 through 15. Exodus is that book right after Genesis. So we're doing a little Bible knowledge. I I invite you not to listen with your ears this time, but to listen with your heart. There are likely to be particular words or phrases that go right to your heart on this one, and you're welcome to meditate on those. So this is uh, starting with Exodus 16, 2. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. This is the beginning of their complaint. When they sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, those were good days, you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day for the people, they'll go out and gather enough just for that day. And that way I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And you know why that is. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you'll know that it was the Lord who brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you should complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evenings and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you uttered against what are we? Your complaining is not against us, dun, 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 but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you'll have your fill of bread. Then you'll know that I am the Lord, your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of the dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. 
when the Israelites saw it, they said, what is this? I think the word was manna. For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, that's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Melissa and I, this past week, um, had the opportunity to hang out with an old friend who now is working for uh, a ministry called Creation Justice Ministries. Um, and his new book is coming out this week about food and, um, and just, uh, a just kitchen is, is the name of the book. Is it a, no, it's a big deal. The Just Kitchen was the, the only edit he told us. <laughs> Publisher had <laughs> to the title. The Just Kitchen. Derek gathered, um, was tasked with gathering so songwriters who uh, have a focus on creation justice and are songwriters. And there's not all that many. And so we got invited to this retreat um, that was really incredible with a bunch of other um, Christian singer-songwriters who um, are on the more progressive side and who also uh, are really connected in different ways to the idea of creation, care, and creation justice. So that the whole week was really wrapped up um, in, in thinking about God and thinking about who God is and how God is engaged in this world and um, the, the current crises that we find ourselves in. And so my sermon today is, is going to come back to that several times um, throughout. Because also this week was um, a gathering of global leaders in New York City. And they, the leaders had a, a mandate to do more to curb carbon emissions and slow climate change. World leaders, um, they were only invited to come if they came with like something big that they were planning for their nation. So a lot of countries didn't even come. Like, uh, not that big a deal. We're not going to show up. Thankfully, the United States did show up. And what was released to me, it seemed pretty small until I started to dig into it a little bit more. The, um, the president uh, is beginning something called the Civilian, Con uh, the Civilian Climate Corps modeled after the Civilian Conservation Corps of FDR. First it was like, ah, this is, it's not much to this, until you dig into it, and it is quite a big deal. It's actually pretty good. This good news is only necessary because there's so much bad news around climate and around ecology these days. I mean, it's no longer something that that anybody is theorizing maybe climate change is going to happen. We're fully living in a different world than we ever have before. The planet is a different place. Already millions have lost their lives because of climate-related disasters, and we just don't like to recognize um, the close connections. 
Today we're entering a wilderness. We've already entered a wilderness as humanity that we do not know and that is extremely unfamiliar, unlike anything we faced before. The people of God would not be what we are today as the people of God without wilderness, though. Wilderness is a place of suffering, of sacrifice, of letting go of excess. Wilderness is also where we find ourselves. We learn to trust God and our faith is transformed. Today, we are entering a wilderness that we have never been in. Just like Moses and Aaron led the people of God from the comforts of civilization. They were in the comforts of civilization, you heard about. The flesh pots, like, that's just a gross word. But I think it's talking about, like, steaks and, uh, you know, good meat. <laughs> and bread and wine and all the food they needed. It's a fantasy. They were led from that civilization into the wilderness. But in that civilization, they were an oppressed people. Into a wilderness, they were led that would shape them for the future ahead. This was the wilderness experience that shaped the Hebrew people that birthed three of the greatest religions of our world. Without the Sinai Desert, we would not be sitting in this room today without the desert, without that specific desert. The world would be a very different place. And yet the Hebrew people in Exodus, they would have done anything, it seems, to go back to the oppressive civilization of the Egyptians because they thought it was better, because they had comfort, because it was familiar. And now they're scared. They're scared they won't survive. They were right to be scared. They complain to God. They want to go back to Egypt. In our passage here in Exodus, we hear that the people turned on Moses. The people were being led into difficult times by Moses. They didn't know where the things they needed most would come from. There's so many wildernesses that we're just now entering. The wilderness of climate change might be the biggest. Sometimes we enter wilderness intentionally because we know we need change, right? Wilderness is valuable. Sometimes we know we need change and we need to let go of all those things that give us comfort and normalcy. We know we're entering something very difficult, but we know we cannot stay where we are. The Hebrew people chose this wilderness. They chose to leave Egypt. As we see, they often doubted their decision. They doubted God. But they chose their path and were shaped by God through their long years in the wilderness. Sometimes we enter the wilderness intentionally because we know we've got to change. 
And sometimes we enter the wilderness because there's no other choice and we're forced into it. We're forced into change whether we like it or not, whether we're ready for it or not. Later in our scriptures, I'm reminded of when um, the Hebrew people are forced into captivity. That was a wilderness they did not choose. It nearly tore their national identity apart. But through it, our understanding of God was shaped. Through it, the books of the prophets were born. Through that wilderness that they did not choose, they wrote the scriptures down instead of it just being an oral tradition. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the wilderness. Global climate change is already taking the lives of hundreds of thousands of people every year. Flooding in Libya, heat waves that are unthinkable proportions already. Wildfires throughout the global north. Canada is burning. Famine and climate refugees on the move all over the planet because their, their farmland is no longer farmable. I hear people, not here, but I hear people saying, yeah, we had a hot summer. Like, eh, it's a hot summer this year. I'm sure it'll be fine next year. Today's wilderness, though, is unlike anything we faced, and we're not getting out of it anytime quickly. Our New Testament passage today, we're going to come back to manna in a moment. Our New Testament passage is Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. If we read all of the uh, passages in full today, we'd be here for another 45 minutes, because they're long ones. So in this passage, in Matthew 20, we have a landowner that Jesus is talking about in a parable. A landowner, and there are people out in the streets, just hanging out, just idle. And the landowner goes out and says, hey, would you come work on my property? I can pay you well. People are like, sure, yeah. And they go get to work. And then later on, evidently, he needs more workers. So he goes out and finds some more people hanging out on the streets. He says, hey, would you like to come work for half a day? And they say, yes. And he does this a few times. They come back, and Jesus says that this is like the kingdom of God. When I think of the kingdom of God, maybe the first thing that comes into my mind, like, imagine you're there. Okay, it's going to be a great banquet where we have as much amazing food as we want. Or it's going to be just celebrating, like, amazing music and worship. And, but no, the kingdom of God here is what? Work. 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 Yes. The kingdom of God is work. And everybody gets the same amount. And that's one of Jesus' points here. No matter how long you've worked, you've come and you've worked, you receive the exact same blessing. But what, what I'm really interested in here today is that it's about work. Whether they're early, they're late, doesn't matter. They receive the same blessing. But they're invited into the work of the kingdom of God. What is 
is the work that we are being invited into right now? I'm not going to answer that question. Some of us don't know, and some of us have big ideas, and some of us are just too tired to even think about it. And that's okay. I'm so encouraged when that question is asked and I get to think about our young people. When I talk to people who've been a part of the Open Door and Garfield Community Farm, when I talk to our interns or our young people who've come through this church and are now in college or beyond, Gen Z, as we call them, people, they know the reality of this world. They know it. And they're not in denial. Us older folks remember when climate change was something we could completely ignore, we could deny it, or we could at least throw enough doubt on it that we shouldn't do anything about it. That's ridiculous to our young people. Anybody 30 or younger? When I started talking about climate change 20 years ago, I was a weird thing to mention it in a church. Lots of raised eyebrows and doubtful looks. But now, we know that the challenge of our generation, the work we're being called into, is either directly related or is changed because of what's happening to our planet. And our young people, they're realists. Our young people know that it's going to be a lot of work. And that things can't just be fixed. Notice the folks who have the, like, the quick fixes that you hear about on the news. They're the rich, uh, very, at the end of their career, baby boomers. Nothing against baby boomers. You know, we have plenty here. But it's those who really just need a fix. Of course, I want that fix. But our young people know that a quick fix is not going to work. The complete turning upside down of our world. Uh, I'm so encouraged when I hear about people from our community. Hannah Hagley, who's studying earth and environmental science right now, and really loving it. She's not studying it because She doesn't believe that there are massive problems and changes. She knows that. Elena Woodworth was a food and sustainability major at Chatham University. She's now working in nonprofit farming. She's a graduate of Garfield Community Farms Permaculture uh, uh, Program. Alex Woodworth, an environmental science major, is focusing on the oceans. Brianna Stanton, she's our production manager at the farm, and she grew up with the farm, grew up coming to the open door when she was younger. She was a food systems and sustainability major at Chatham, graduated our permaculture design course, and she's dedicated her life to changing the food system. 
Our young people know the work. There's lots of other examples of our young people that I could bring up. Our young people know the work that's ahead, whether they're in a direct career or not, whether they're creating art and beauty that all of us need or not. Our young people are committed, committing their lives to the work. Because it's the right thing to do. It's one of the things I heard this week. It's like, this is so overwhelming. Why do anything? Because it's the right thing to do. I hear many folks saying that things, like we can never do what we need to do. It's too big. We're too far gone. What I do can't make a difference. Our collective action is still just a drop in the bucket. To our kids, that's not acceptable. They need us. They're already showing us what it looks like to roll up your sleeves and, and get some work done. And I think the open door for all of these years has been an incredible example to the broader church of what a drop in the bucket can look like. I truly believe that. Finally, Paul says in, in uh, Philippians, Paul says to live or to die in Christ doesn't really matter to him. To live or to die doesn't really matter. Both are really, really good. He goes on to explain that he wants to stay with his churches so that he can continue the work of the gospel. He says, if I die, that's fine. I'm with God. But I'm choosing to be here and to continue the work of the gospel with me. The most faithful thing that we can ever do is to discern the gospel's contextual message and live our best lives to pursue that good news. That's what Paul wanted to do. And that's the task of every follower of Jesus ever. This is what Paul wanted to do, and it's our task too. To pursue the gospel's contextually relevant message for our time, our place, in our world. Our problems in the world, they are not going anywhere. We're in this wilderness, and thank God that God does not desert us. We may be overwhelmed. The Hebrew people were overwhelmed in the desert. But our task of, as followers of Jesus is to work toward restoration. Even if it seems we'll never get where we want to go, most of those people in the desert didn't get to the promised land. Their children got to the promised land. So we continue to have hope that our efforts will be met with the efforts of Christ our Savior, who will provide for us, who will save us. When the Hebrews were at their lowest in the desert, God stepped in and saved them with a miracle from heaven, with manna that would sustain them 
through the hardest of times. God did not provide that kingdom of heaven banquet that we might imagine. God provided just enough to, to sustain them so that they could continue the work toward the promised land. The person of Jesus is our only manna today. So as we face struggles, God's spirit is our sustainer. There's no reason to bury our heads in the sand when we have such a savior. We can face the most difficult of realities with hope and confidence that we can do simply the next right thing. We can take that step because God is the God who saves. And our story today of the Exodus is the first world-changing story that we have of God as Savior. And God never changes from that. God will provide manna, not a massive banquet, not a quick fix. God will provide enough that we may be faithful with the work that's set before us. Let's take a moment. A song will play. Prepare our hearts for communion together. Thanks for joining us uh, and listening in today. If you'd like to join us in person, please come on out on a Sunday morning. We meet at a school called the Neighborhood Academy. It's in uh, kind of on the border of the Stanton Heights and Garfield neighborhood on North Aiken Avenue. We'd love to have you. We meet at 10 o'clock for uh, fellowship half hour, donuts, coffee, um, and worship starts at 10.30. Welcome to come anytime. Uh, anytime in there. Kids, families, very much welcome. Um, we are a multi-generational community and really value uh, people of all ages being a part uh, of our church. Hope to see you. If you can't make it in person, though, you can join on our, uh, our Zoom. Um, and you can find info on that, a link for that, on our website, pghopendoor.com. Net. Finally, the music that you hear is uh, our band that we call Project 68, um, at least in this rendition, this, this recording. Um, these are songs that we do in worship that are written for the open door. Uh, this is a song called Psalm 134. You can find a bunch of our music on uh, Apple, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever, under Project 68. Point eight. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs>